I said, okay, you got to say it like you mean it. How many of you believe that today is the day of salvation? Some of you come from families where your dad never defeated lust and handed you lust. Y'all, do you hear me? I said, do you hear me? Some of you come from families where your mom never defeated lack and poverty and you inherited lack and poverty but I've got good news for you I said today is the day of salvation and somebody is going to rise up and say as for me and my house we will serve the Lord I'm not going to pass it down to my This is for your children who aren't even born yet. This is for the generations. This is for your grandchildren. There's going to be a day in your family line where all of a sudden they say, when did it change, granddaddy? When did it change? I went to this place called V1 Church, and there was a wild, bald man named Mike Signorelli who was foaming at the mouth, ready to slay some demons around the world. And there were some things in our family that nobody got free from, but I was the first that rose up? Do I have a church full of Abrahams and Sarahs who are willing to go a different way? I feel the power of God. I heard the Lord say, this is my Long Island. This is my Miami. This is my Toronto. This is my California. I heard the Lord saying, this is my Northwest Indiana. And sometimes you got to evict some enemies out of some territories. This is going to be the most succinct teaching I've ever done on deliverance. Get ready to take notes and lock in with me, okay? But before we do that, and you guys understand you have a responsibility right here because you're in the broadcast location, which means there's an array of microphones all over this place, and there are people who draw strength from, your, from hearing you worship and hearing you enter in. And so right now, something very special is happening in the history of V1 Church. We actually have V1 California, V1 Canada, and V1 Miami that are tuning in right now and have filled up venues and spaces. Guys, let's put our hands together for what the the Lord is doing and all the leaders that have rose up everybody say repent everybody say renounce everybody say cast out repent renounce cast out repent renounce cast out but Pastor Mike, I've been to church for years and years why did I never see a demon cast out well it could have been because your pastor had him Y'all, we're going there today. Welcome to Mass Deliverance. Pastor Mike, how come I went to church for years and years? I never saw freedom. What if I told you that in the last 100 years in American evangelical Christianity, we have discipled people into a 30-second prayer at the end of a service, and what they actually received was religion, not Jesus? Y'all, can you just shout back at me? Is there anybody who hears what I'm saying? Because, listen, the deeper the repentance, the deeper the deliverance. The deeper the repentance, the deeper the deliverance. The deeper the repentance, the deeper the deliverance. The deeper the repentance, the deeper the religion. Sometimes you can't get it done in 30 seconds. And you wonder, well, I didn't think a Christian could have a demon. By whose standard were you ever a Christian? I'm going to offend you all the way into freedom today. Because our pastors stopped talking like Jesus. Jesus.
repent, renounce, cast out. Let me show you. Romans chapter 2 verse 4. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Guys, this is not condemnation. This is kindness. The Lord is saying, by my kindness, I brought you here. I know that you've been in lust and sexual perversion, but that's just a false comfort that you accepted to help you go through wounds and tragedy from the past. It's my kindness that's leading you to repentance. I know that you've been drinking. I know that you've been smoking. And, and we know the Bible says that drunkards will not inherit the kingdom. Guys, there's pastors and apostles. I've sat at dinner with them and they've gotten completely wasted on the other side of the table and tried to tell me they can drink without getting drunk while they're drunk. If you think that this is just affecting the people in the pews, it's the people in the pulpit too. And the Bible says that drunkards will not inherit the kingdom. But it also says cowards won't, won't either. Cowardly. And so it's going to take courage to confront because cowards and drunkards don't get into this kingdom. It's going to take courage to admit. It's going to take courage to confess your sins one to another that you would be healed because we've been forgiven but not healed. We get forgiven when we take it to Jesus, but we get healed when we take it to the body of Christ. I'm preaching deep today, y'all. I don't care. I took the gloves off because I'm fighting 72 generations worth of demons in some of your family. And I came correct with the power of Jesus Christ because today it ends. It ends. It ends. It ends. Second Corinthians chapter seven, verse 10 says for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Godly grief. Let me just talk about that. It's not guilt in the traditional sense. It's not shame. Those are the devices of the enemy. But a godly grief, you all of a sudden, something holy will start to stir up inside of you. And you'll say, God, I haven't thought like this in a while, but is my life pleasing to you? Do when you look at me, God, are you pleased with my life? Am I a living sacrifice? God, I've learned now that a song is not worship. Oh, come on, Somebody. I learn now that my life is the song, is it a, an aroma, is it a fragrance before you, God? And godly sorrow will begin to work on, on the inside of you to bring you to a place of repentance. You'll look at yourself and you'll be like, I'm disgusted with who I used to be because I've cheapened the sacrifice of the lamb. May the lamb be worthy of his sacrifice godly sorrow and no preacher can preach you into godly sorrow the holy spirit leads you into that place where he says you, oh, you thought you arrived but there's more i want to deal with i want to deal with but it's his through his kindness everybody say renounce there's primarily three greek words in the new testament that deal with the word renounce now many of you have heard the word repent but i find uh i find it um shocking almost that you haven't heard the word renounce in church because Jesus used the word renounce. So in the Greek, there's three versions. One means to forbid or um, to renounce means to forbid. Everybody say forbid. Okay. The other version of renounce in the Greek that we have in the New Testament means to lay aside, say to lay aside. Okay. And then the last one says to hate or to detest. Everybody say to hate. Okay, now let me read you some verses. Now, you don't hear this 
in the evangelical church, we may be here repent, but we definitely don't hear renounce. But it's going to shock you when you hear the words of Jesus. Jesus, Matthew, uh, it says in Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to follow, follow me, let him renounce self, take up his cross and be my follower. Somebody say renounce. Let him lay aside self and self-agenda. May he literally hate selfishness. May he detest his own way. And by that standard, some of you have repented but not renounced, which turned your repentance into being sorry you got caught not repenting before God. Renouncing is when you say, God, I want to hate what you hate, and I want to love what you love. I want the aroma of my sin to be the same stench that's in your nostrils. And some would say, well, that's legalism. No, it's his kindness that brought me to the place. Why would I ever do anything that the lover of my soul doesn't love? Why? Because if he loved me, come on, somebody. He wants me to, to come to the place where I understand the fullness of what's right and noble and true renounce Luke chapter 14 verse 33 says so therefore whoever of you who doesn't renounce all that he has can't be my disciple somebody say all in most of our churches we say well you can have your pet sin I have my pet sin we can keep on sinning let's start a group where we all talk about how we're struggling you're not struggling with the sin you've surrendered to the sin there is no such thing as struggle with sin there's surrender to Jesus who defeated sin and then you don't got to keep taking a lap around the mountain and talking about how you're struggling with it again and so you got churches that are functioning come on more like the world than they are like the power of the cross Anytime, if you've been discipled at a church that told you that you're going to keep struggling with a sin for the rest of your life, that, that pastor hasn't read his Bible or he knows the word but has a sin that he wants you to actually qualify as a sin he can struggle with. <laughs> I'm not going to say it again. You'll have to watch the broadcast again. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19 says, Yet God's solid foundation stands unmoved, bearing this inscription. The Lord knows who really belongs to him, and this also let everyone who names the, the name of the Lord renounce all wickedness. How much wickedness? Let him renounce it all. The Bible says the Lord knows who belongs to him and who doesn't. The ones that renounce all wickedness. Do you see how the deeper the repentance, the deeper the deliverance? Come on. We got to go deep. There are some things people are like, I don't know if a Christian can have a demon. Well, I know a lot of people who call themselves Christians who have never repented, never renounced. They've done it in silence. They've done it in darkness. They've done it in the hidden places. And I'm here to tell you, we are going to cast it out today. Titus chapter 2 verse 12 says like this, training us to renounce ungodliness and all the pleasures of the world and to live sober and upright and pious lives at this present time. So, so look, it's, Titus says training us. So you must be trained to renounce all ungodliness. There are things in your family, please pay attention because Satan is on assignment to distract you. If you feel unusually distracted, that is the enemy at work. 
across all of these locations. Listen, listen, Linda. (laughs) When you are raised in dysfunction, going to church once a week is not enough to teach you godliness. And there will be things that you say and do that you don't know are ungodly because all of your friends who are Christians do it too. When I first got to New York, I would tell all these worship leaders, why are you talking with that kind of perverse tongue? Why is there so much lust in your attitudes and behaviors? And they're like, there's not. I'm just being their friend. I'm like, no, you have the wrong standard. When the kingdom of heaven invades your space, the standard of righteousness changes your boundaries. Things that you used to think you could get away with, the Lord will say, your fence post is out too far. Bring the boundary in. Bring the boundary in. There are things that Christians repent and renounce of that won't make sense to the world, but it's not their version of godliness. It's not my version of godliness. It's his version of godliness. And so we're going to deal with some stuff today. It says renounce ungodliness and all the pleasures of the world to live sober, upright, and pious lives. And this is liberating because we get to the last and final one, cast out. Everybody say cast out. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 17, it says, And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. The Greek word for cast out in this scripture is ekbalo. Everybody say that. Ekbalo. Come on, say it confidently. You're a scholar now. Ekbalo. Okay, it's a compound word. Ek and below. Balo. It, it, it actually means to to throw out. (laughs) Don't you love that? It means to throw, to throw it out. And so what happens is when you evict somebody, when you cast a demon out, it's ek below. It means to grab and to throw them out. Doesn't that change the imagery? To throw it out. And do you know why this image, this uh, word ek below was used? Historically, it was actually used whenever a new country would invade a country. They would plant their flag down and then anybody who was an enemy of that new country would get forcibly thrown out, murdered and thrown out of the borders. So what's getting ready to happen is King Jesus is about to come into your soul, into your body. He's going to put the cross down and he's going to say, this now belongs to me and everything that's not like me and not like heaven. I'm going to throw it out at below. I'm going to cast it out. I'm telling every sickness and every disease, the cross is here and you better recognize that I've colonized this body better recognize that I colonized this body at below throw you out everybody stand to your feet with me okay we're gonna move across every location we're gonna move into the next portion of this now when you begin to take people through deliverance there is a military advantage to hiddenness what does that mean every military on the planet wears fatigues because they don't want you to see them. You have to make up your mind that you will not cooperate with the devil. As long as it stays in the darkness, you stay bound. But if you'll bring it into the light, you will get free. You've got to make up your mind. You don't care what anybody in this room that you are watching this and participating in thinks about you. As a matter of fact, if you will say yes to getting free, that they will look at you and they will get free. You can't be a coward in this this church. You're going to have to say, 
say, you're going to watch me throw up now. You're going to watch me scream now. But then you're going to watch me rise into my purpose later. You're going to watch me rise into the abundance that God planned for my life. Sometimes you got to show people the whole journey and undignify yourself. If you're a macho man, Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan, tough guy, I dare you to get down on your knees today and show the world what a real man's all about. If you think your muscles make you tough, I know that my God will flick you and knock you down to the ground. I'm not here to placate any of your pride. I'm here to bring you to a place of humility. I'm telling you, when I used to act like I had it together, that was the least I had it together. But when I said, look at my brokenness, God, I don't know how to be a husband. I don't know how to be a pastor. I don't know how to be a preacher. I don't know how to do this. Look at all of what I inherited on both sides of my family. They didn't teach me how to do anything but fail. That's when, that's when the blood of Jesus began to move into every crack and crevice. That's when the chains of darkness were broken, and that's when demons left. And so humility, humility, deliverance is for the desperate. You've got to be desperate if you've come here to mock, if you've come here to be a spectator, I don't care if you're a blogger. Your opinion is not what's needed. It's your surrender that's needed. And what God is about to do is set people free, over 2,000 people today all around the world. And so if you're going to be a disruption, you're going to be removed at every campus. I'm setting the groundwork because God's about to do something crazy powerful. And I know that there are people who would come to spectate. There are people who would come to look. No, 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 we're here to get free. Um, we're here to get free. We didn't come to play games. Some of you don't have demons. Pastor Mike, is everything a demon? No, but sometimes you have strongholds in your mind, and demons love to inhabit strongholds. So I want to see you get free of something today. I don't think everything's... Pastor Mike, do you not believe in medical doctors? Well, some we have medical doctors on our deliverance team. What do you say about that? Uh, of course we believe in medicine. Of course we believe in, in them finding out what God already created. But listen, Luke was a physician who became an apostle because it's actually both do you not believe in mental health you think everything's a demon now listen people watch my videos and they never watch them all the way through before they they foolishly comment so let me just say we have medical health we have uh, mental health professionals in this church we scholarship thousands of dollars worth of counseling for people and i actually believe in biblical based therapy and counseling uh, can i get an amen Sometimes that's needed, but I will tell you this, you cannot discipline a demon. You must cast it out. You can't take a pill and make a demon go away. Well, Pastor Mike, some of these things are just, uh, it's the flesh. Well, you're right, but you cannot crucify a demon and you cannot cast out the flesh. There are Christians who for years and years have gone to weak, powerless churches that will never address the demonic and they have, they have crucified their flesh. They fasted. They've read their Bible. They've attended every connect group and they still struggle because it is a demon. So is everything a demon? No, but... But if everything's not a demon, I question your theology. I'm setting the groundwork because we're about to get into it today. And here's the thing. We've got layers of prayer.